0: past uh, few months and have really enjoyed fellowshipping with you, and uh, they send their love and their greetings to you, as do uh, our churches in East London, uh, Elim. Uh, That includes Barking and East Ham and Dagenham, Elim, this morning. Uh, They're thinking and they're praying for you as you were praying for our churches this morning as well, so great stuff. Let's just... uh, I, I, do you know, before I pray, I, I, I have a word, and actually it kind of links in with, with that this morning. I just really sensed that the Lord wanted to say to some of you, or to all of us, but specifically to some individuals this morning, that he loves you, and that the pain and the agony that he went through on the cross was for you. And, and, and I know that's nothing new to, to, to most of us. But he just wanted you to be reminded of that truth this morning, that the nails in his hands and in his feet and the crown of thorns upon his head and the whip lashes that was on his back, and that the spear that was driven through his side was for you. actually was for you at home was for you, each one of you, each one of us this morning, that we may have life. John 10.10 says, I've come, that you may have life, and life to the full. And those nails, those thorns, that spear, the agony of the cross, was for you, that you may have life. So, Father, I just pray for whoever that is intended for this morning, if that's for all of us, but Lord, if there's anyone particularly that's struggling with your love for them this morning, I pray, God, for that revelation to sink in, not just to their heads, but into their hearts today. May you just affirm who they are in you, that they are loved by you. Amen. Amen. Uh, Can I just ask, the guy, the the person, sorry, I don't know your name, is it okay if I move around? Is that okay? Because I know that in many churches, I kind of drive, in fact, in my own church, I drive the media team crazy because I'm kind of up and down, walking all over the place. I I, I need to keep my steps up, you know, so... Great. If you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 33 to 39. Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39. You know you're getting old when you have to buy a new Bible that's extra large print. And uh, this conference uh, that we just had um, uh, in, in, in Harrogate, I, I, I bought a new Bible with, with extra large print, so I don't have any problem with that. What I, what I tend to, I, I lead a Bible study every morning. We, we have a prayer and, and, and Bible study communion every morning at 7 a.m. in the morning. And sometimes I get up and I can't find my glasses, kind of, and I'm searching around. But it now means that I don't need my glasses to read my Bible, so I'm I'm okay. So Luke chapter 5, hopefully by now you should have found it, and we're reading from verse 33. What? And I'm reading from the NLT, okay. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Some people say that about me. Verse 34, Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to like the new wine. The old wine, the old, is just fine, they say. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and that your word and your spirit, Father, would come together and would change our lives. And Lord, I pray that all of us would leave different from when we came in. In Jesus' name. Amen. I thought it was really interesting that the scripture there finished that we are to be new things. Do we have that scripture? Can we possibly get that scripture back up? No, not that scripture, the scripture that finished off in that video. If we could perhaps just get that up, I'll, I'll keep talking while you, while you maybe find what it was. Um, but you know, the, the reality is... Now I'm really causing them stress. (laughs) The reality is, God is wanting to do new things. God is wanting to do something new. Do you see it? Do you believe it? God is into new things. He's wanting to do something new. Now, you as a church are are kind of at, at that place where you're about to have a new season. You're already in a new season, I believe. And God is wanting to continue to do new things in and through you. Do you see it? Do you see it, church? Maybe you don't see it, but let me ask you another question. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because sometimes we don't necessarily have to see something in order to believe it. Amen? Faith comes by hearing. And sometimes we just need to hear the truth and believe in the truth, not necessarily see it. My question to us today is this. Are we ready for the new things that God has for us? Are you ready? Are you ready for the new things that God has in store for you? Thank you very much. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Church, the new is here. The old has gone. The new is here. And We'll talk a bit about that a bit later on. The new is here. Jesus is here. And he's wanting to do a new thing in you and through you. Are you ready, church? Are you ready for the new? Are you ready for the revival? That I believe that we in this part of the United Kingdom are about to engage in. I believe it with all my heart. I may not see it, but I'm believing it. I've heard it and I'm believing for it. I'm believing that God has a revival in store for each one of you and me and, and, and in, our, in, in our church communities. And if the answer is yes, I'm ready, Lloyd, I'm ready for revival, then I want to ask you the question, are you ready to change? Because in order for the new to come, we need to change. Change. We need to be willing to change. Now, I love change. I do. I I, I drive my staff crazy because I love change. I love new things. In my home, I I, I like to move around my furniture. I like to move the pictures around just to kind of keep, keep people on their toes, you know? In my office, at church, I I like to move things around. I I like, in in our church, uh, we've just moved the chairs around, and it's quite interesting the kind of the the, the response when people come in. It's like, oh, where do I go? What do I do? It's all new. What do I? (laughs) But I love it. I know there are certain personality types. I'm just going to move this because I'm going to trip over it in a minute. I know there are certain personality types that really struggle with change. Are there anyone here this morning? I pray for you. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. Uh, my my administrator in my office he, he doesn't like change, and 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 we you know if I'm not careful and I don't I don't work with him in the things that I'm about to do and change then he really, really struggles with that. But the reality is, we need to change. The reality is, things need to change. Things can't stay as they are. Or as they were. We have to change. There was a new baby born uh, two days ago. Now, that baby can't stay a baby forever, as much as we may want him to, her to. <laughs> as much as we may want that baby to stay a baby, the reality is it can't stay a baby. It has to grow, it has to develop, it has to change. That's the way it is. Does anybody know what an OHP is? You long for those days, don't you? <laughs> an OHP. Can anyone tell me what an OHP is? An overhead projector. Now, that was my first ever ministry job in church. Uh, and at the age of 15, that, it was partly my job to do the OHP. And I hated it. Be, you know, you kind of have, have what's called an acetate, you know, an acetate, piece of plastic that you used to have the words on, it was before all this fancy stuff, okay, so if you're below the age of, I guess, 50, uh, you won't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and and if, you, if you, you used to, you used to have to align it, and, and if you moved it that way, it would go that way, and if you moved it that way, it would go that way, and you, my, my head couldn't cope with that. You know, and you'd have to kind of move it up slightly as, as, the, as the song was moving. And, and I struggled with it. I have to confess. I struggled. So I'm very, very thankful to where we are today. Anyone tell me what a video is? <laughs> Blockbuster. It's, it, again, if you're below a certain age, you won't know what one is. But the reality is, in, in the good old days, we used to watch videos. And then it became a CD. And now we have Netflix. <laughs> or, or, or Prime Video, or whatever it is that you watch at home. Can anyone tell me what a mangle is? A mangle. What was What was it? You used to, used to... Tell us what you used to do. Speak there. You used to do washing and then... Pick it, Pick it up and put it through the mangle and, and dry, it and it through dry. It dry. So before tumble dryers, you used to have to put this piece of cloth or whatever it was, piece of clothing, through a mangle and wind it up so that it got rid of all the, 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 the water. Yeah. Can anyone tell me what a gramophone was? You know what? Yeah. Can anyone tell me what a typewriter is? Before computers, we used to have to get a piece of paper, put put it in, turn the hand, turn the the, the, the dial, and type. Tick 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 tick. I used to have to go to typewriting classes to know how to type, and used to be able to have black. And sometimes, if it was very fancy, red as well. Amazing. Anyone tell me what a compass is? Yeah. Before the days of GPS or Google Maps, people used to have to have a compass. I don't know, people still do use compasses. And when I was around 30, uh, we used to have this this thing... uh, it's also almost unrecognizable today. And you used to have to like almost pick it up. and and kind of answer. The first mobile phone was huge. Huge. It was like a brick, yeah. It really was, like a huge thing. And then even before that, the telephones, you used to have to put your finger in and do that. And then you used to go And then do it again. In order for our society to grow and develop, there needs to be change. Now, some of the changes we may not like. And some of them we may think, oh, you know, it was better then than it is now. But the reality is, there needs to be change. Now, as I talk about some of those objects, some of you are feeling all nice and warm and fuzzy, thinking of the, the, those good old days. I'm not really sure they were so good, to be honest with you. But it kind of takes us back, doesn't it? Gives us some feeling of nostalgia. But the message is this. Development needs to change. Development needs to happen, sorry. There needs to be change. We need to move with the times. We need to change. Otherwise, we become stagnant. There needs to be change, otherwise we become like a a pond that is stagnant instead of a, a, a river that is flowing with fresh water. We need to change. And this is the point that Jesus is making in the Scripture that we've had today. The reality was the Pharisees whom Jesus was speaking to struggled in understanding who Jesus was because he didn't fit with the preconceived idea of who the Messiah was going to be. He didn't look the part. He didn't sound the part. Some of the things that he was saying were not the kind of things that they were expecting the Messiah to say. They didn't recognize him. He simply did not fit into the mold that they had for the Messiah. It didn't fit their experience. It didn't fit their religion. It didn't fit he didn't fit their ideals. He was saying things that were almost contrary to what they believed. He was saying some pretty crazy things for them. And Jesus addresses them with this imagery of new wine and new wine skin. Because new wine, and for those of you, and I'm sure no one in this church understand how wine happens, but for for, for those of you that do, new wine is alive. When you take the grapes off the vine and you, you allow this process of fermentation, it is alive. It's changing. The new wine, it's changing. It's alive. And it goes through this fermenting process. And as it does so, it's growing, it's changing, it's developing. And because of that, the new wine could not be put into wineskins that had previously been used. In other words, all, can anyone tell me what a wineskin was made of? Anybody? Animal skin, yeah, it was particularly a goat skin. And, and the, 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 it would be taken, it would be sewed up, and then the, the new wine would be poured into the New wineskin. And as the fermentation process happened, uh, the, the wine would grow and develop and, and certain scientific stuff would happen and it would expand. And as it expanded, the wine skin would also, the goatskin would also expand with it. And it would grow and change and the, the new wine and the fermentation of the new wine in the, in the new wineskin skin would grow and, and, and everything would be fine and, and it, would, it would become great wine. If you put new wine into an old wineskin because it was growing and changing and the, the scientific process would take its course, what would happen is that the gas within the wine would expand to such a place where the old wineskin would burst and therefore the new wine would be spoilt. And he's basically, Jesus is basically saying, change needs to happen. A new way is here. The old has gone. Not that there was anything wrong with the old, but there is now a new way. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. Jesus is saying, a new way is what's needed. I am. I am the new way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the change that's needed. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19 says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is always doing something new. God is always doing something new. And throughout the Bible we read of times where God pours out... His Holy Spirit upon particular people for particular times, for a particular task. We read in Exodus 31 verse 2, and I'm not going to read all these, otherwise we'll be here all, more, all, all day. Uh, Bezalel, where he is filled with the Spirit of God to develop this artistic design for the tabernacle. We read of the 70 elders in Numbers 11 verse 17, who received some of the Spirit of God that was upon Moses. In Judges chapter 6, we read of Gideon, who is able to deliver Israel. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. We read of Samson, who has supernatural strength, empowered with the Spirit of the Lord. We read of the numerous prophets prophets who prophesy when the Spirit of God came upon them. We read of, in 1 Samuel 16, the Spirit upon David. In Numbers chapter 11, we read of the Spirit upon Moses. And in the New Testament, we read of Mary, Jesus' mother, where the Holy Spirit will come upon you, it says, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Luke chapter 1, 35. Then we read of Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. Then we read of Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, where the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. We read of John the Baptist himself in Luke 1, verse 15, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. And then, of course, we know... That Jesus himself was filled with the Spirit of God at his baptism. And then God did something new again. 120 men in the upper room, in that room, waiting. They had no idea what they were waiting for, they had no idea what was going to happen. There they are, waiting. 120. But they were willing. They were willing for God to do something new. And God poured out his new wine upon them. And we read it in Acts. And those 120 people turned the world upside down in just a few short years. God said, didn't he, that I will pour out my spirit upon all people. No longer was His Spirit just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but now we read in Acts where the Holy Spirit is poured upon all people for all those who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The new wine, the new way, poured upon God's people. But there's a dilemma. In fact, it's a pretty big dilemma that all of us face, and here's the problem. When God wanted to do something new, the Pharisees were caught up with the old. They were caught up in the old. But, 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 but. But what about this? But what about that? They were in a rut. They didn't want to change. They couldn't see past what Jesus was trying to tell them. They wanted to remain in the past. They were in that rut. They didn't want to change. And unfortunately for many of us, that is true today. We don't want to change. We don't want to go into the place where where maybe God is taking us because we're quite happy where we are. Thank you very much. Luke 5, verse 39 says this, and we read it. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says the old is better. And that's what so many of us say and believe. For the old way is better. Why do I need to embrace this new way? Why do I need... When the old... Is better. But remember, the old wine was at one time new wine. The point being that there's nothing wrong with the old. The old was not bad. But the point is that God is doing something new. It's not that God, it's not that the old ways that we used to do things was wrong or that it was bad. Because many of the things that you have done in the past, and I have done in the past, there was nothing bad about them, necessarily. God worked in them, and God used them, of course. But, God is wanting to do something new. But so many of us we're more comfortable with the old. And want to stay in the old. Don't want to embrace the new. Familiarity, perhaps. Why do we prefer the old? Well, it's what we're used to. It's what we're used to. We feel comfortable. I, I like to sit in the same place every Sunday. Because it's where I'm comfortable. I like to speak to those people every Sunday because they're my comfort group. Pastor, are you telling me to go and speak to someone I don't know? Are you telling me to sit somewhere I don't, I don't normally sit? Familiarity. We like the old hymns. I do. I, I love the old hymns. There's nothing wrong with them necessarily. Some of them I'm a bit... <laughs> uh, but then I'm like that with some of the new ones as well. So, But what is God doing in our worship right now? I not plan to say this, but I'm going to encourage your worship team. And I'm sure you do this. But I want to encourage your worship team to look to God's new ways. That doesn't mean come up with fancy new songs. But what it means is seek God for the new thing that he wants to do. And this is almost a prophetic word. I say almost because I'm not quite certain. Maybe a word from the Lloyd as opposed to the Lord. (laughs) But I believe that the growth In your worship, and what God wants to do in and through this worship team, and the way you open up to the new things of the Spirit, will have a direct knock on effect to the way this church grows. Worship is key, and often, worship is a key to unlock what God wants to do in us. And so I say this with you, I leave it with you, to pray and seek what God wants to say and do through that. It's great to hear, what is it, revival, the, the, the new ministry that's happening with the young people? Renewal? Revive. It's Great. Who, who was it that, is, is, is the lady here that's doing that? Wow. Wow, that's amazing. We simply cannot stuff the new into the old. You can't. You can't try and stuff and force what God is wanting to do in our old ways. We need to embrace the new, we need to change. Because in order, to get from, in order to get from here to here, there needs to be development. In order to get from the past, the mangle, the OHP, whatever it is, to get to here, there needs to be change. And in order to get from here to there, there needs to be change. There is where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be over here. Yes, we're here right now. But he wants to take us here. Here. And to get from there to here to there again, there, the new, the vision, the future, we have to embrace change. We have to. We can stay here in the the relative security and not grow and not develop. I'm talking about individually, not necessarily the church. Or we can say, Lord, change me. God is always bringing change. And brothers and sisters, he wants to do that in you. He wants to bring change into you and I. Now, we can be thinking of all the people that we think need to change. (laughs) Husbands, they need to change, huh? Wives, children, we need to change our children. (laughs) Our friends need to change, that work colleague, even pastors. But reality is, my friends, change needs to start with you. Change needs to start with you. And you need to be prepared to change. In order for God to do something new in you, there needs to come change. And Some of you, I can say this because I'm perhaps not coming back for a while, are over here still. haven't even come here. Ooh. If we believe that God wants to pour his new wine into us, then we need to change to become the new wine skin. We need renewal over. And over and over and over and over again. The psalmist says this in Psalm 51, verse 10 Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a righteous spirit within me. Renew, renew within me, Lord. Renew that righteous, clean heart, spirit within me. God wants to do something new in you and through you. In this church and through this church. So what is the purpose of the new wine? What is the purpose of... Of the new wine. We're talking about, you know, God wants to pour out his new wine upon us. But what is the purpose of the new wine? Let me turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says this But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By the, word, by the way, the, the original word for power, actually, the origin of that word means martyr. Woo! We're called actually to be martyrs. For Jesus Christ that's just an offside but you will receive power but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses I beg your pardon it's the word witness that means martyr okay it's the word witness and you will re- and you'll be my witness that, that word power that word witness you'll be my witnesses you'll be, in other words you'll be, you need to be prepared to 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 die to be martyrs. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The reason the Holy Spirit fills us is to give us power to be witnesses for Him. In other words, the wine is not for us. The wine is not for our pleasure. The wine is not intended for us to have a nice bless me, bless me time. Where we're jumping up and down and running around and screaming and shouting and jump, swinging from the chandeliers. That's not what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit doesn't, isn't even intended to make us feel nice and warm and fuzzy and glowy and all that stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But the purpose... Of the new wine, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in us is that we would be witnesses for Him. He is not a plaything to be experienced within a church service. Just think about that. Holy Spirit, the new wine, is to empower you so that when you leave this place, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you are enabled, equipped, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is a tool And he wants us to use him to empower us to be witnesses within this community, within your community. Wherever you live, wherever you work, the Holy Spirit is for you. The change that God wants is to enable the Holy Spirit to come inside of us, to fill us, not not particular people for particular times, for a particular task, but upon all His church, in order that we could be witnesses for Him. Now look, the world was changed with 120 men that were filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many there are today, 60, 70 people perhaps? That's just this church. There are other churches within Harlow. There must be probably thousands, hundreds of Christians in Harlow. What could the Holy Spirit do? I'm so blessed that, 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 there's, that there's things going on within this community where you're working cross-church, kingdom mindsets. What could the Holy Spirit do if we were together? If if, if actually the Spirit of God was enabled us to be witnesses in Harlow, your Jerusalem, in your family, in in your workplace? What about that work colleague that you sit next to every single day of your work week? What about that neighbor? What about that family member who's not saved? The Holy Spirit, the new wine Equips us, empowers us to be witnesses for Him. Now you're all quiet, and you all know that I like you to say Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) So, how do we change? Well, I've got three points briefly. Number one, we need to yield to Jesus. We need to yield to Jesus every single day. We need to come before Jesus and we need to surrender ourselves before Him. James 4 verse 7 says that we are to draw near to Him as He draws near to us. So We're to yield to Him. We need to spend time in His presence every single day of our lives. We must yield to Him. Spend time in his presence, reading his word, prayer, individually and corporately. And, and then secondly, let me read from Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 24. Ephesians 4, uh, 21. Don't worry, uh, we're nearly landing. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Throw off the old sinful nature, Paul says. And put on the new. Throw off. So how do we change we change by taking off the old nature. Every day, repent, repent, repent. Put off the old self. Every day, make a choice to put on the new self. When you woke up this morning, you looked in your wardrobe and you chose what clothes to put on. In the same way, Paul says to us that we are to put on the new self. Holiness. Righteousness. We're to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. An attitude is a pattern of thinking, and many of us have stinking thinking. We're to change our thoughts, change our thinking. Spend time in His presence, number one. Secondly, put off the old and put on the new. And thirdly, Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says this, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must pick up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, guess what? It doesn't say guess what. That's me, I do. If you want to hang on, on, on to your life, guess what? You will lose it. Thirdly, we need to die to self. So how do we change? And we need to do this daily. We need to yield to Jesus daily. Secondly, we need to put off the old and put on the new. And thirdly, we daily need to die to self. Die to self. Follow Jesus. Sacrifice your own thoughts, your own ways, and embrace Jesus. My friends, new wine is looking for new wineskin. No matter what kind of personality profile you may be, the Lord is wanting to bring change. In you. He's wanting to do something new. He's looking to do something wonderful in you, in your family, in your workplace, in your church, in your community. He wants to pour His Holy Spirit in you. For you to minister His love and power to a world that is quite desperately and literally dying for change. For something new. We're living in times where our world is looking for something new, fresh. Where actually they're filling their lives with so much stuff that they think it's new when actually it's the old way. You and I have the new wine. You and I Have Jesus. You and I are the solution to their situation, actually. Jesus in you. Jesus in me. New wine in you. New wine in me. Flowing in and through to a world. Do you see it? I asked that question at the beginning. Do you believe it? Are you ready? Are you willing to change? To be the new wine skin that he needs you to be? I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with where we are right now. I'm not satisfied with where the church are right now. Let me, again, I'll say this, putting my neck on the block. I'm not satisfied that there's literally half the chairs empty in this place. I'm not sa- I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with that. And I say the same in my own church. At our 9 a.m. service, three quarters of the chairs are empty this morning. I was there. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied that there are people hungry in my community embarking and sleeping rough. I'm not satisfied. I- I'm not satisfied that there are people struggling to make ends meet. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied that the church, and I say the church generally, is not being as active as it was and should be. I'm not satisfied that we're not seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I'm not satisfied with that. How about you? I come from a community in Swaziland where we saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But we saw healing after healing after healing. It became normal. In fact, when I came here, I struggled so much because it was so alien. To the church in this country. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied that the church is disunited. I'm not satisfied that we, and again, I'll put my head on the, that we as Elim are not working as closely as we should be with other church denominations. I'm not satisfied with that. And I'm probably speaking to my own church community on that one. I'm not satisfied. Because I believe that God wants more. I believe that God wants more for us and wants more for our church. I believe that God wants more for Harlow and its community. I believe that he wants to pour his life-changing power of new wine into us. And it starts right here, and starts right now. Are you willing? Are you willing to change, to surrender, to yield to the Lord? And say to him, Lord, I'm willing to change. Lord, I'm willing to embrace the new ways. I'm willing to change my life. I'm willing to put off my old ways and put on the new ways. I'm willing to to surrender myself before your throne. I'm willing, Lord, to put off the old self and put on the new I'm willing, Lord, to to daily surrender my life before you. I'm willing, Lord, to pay the price. I'm willing, Lord, I'm ready, I'm willing, I see it, I believe it. Mold me, shape me into the person that you want me to be in order that you can fill me with your new wine. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I long for. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray for each one of us and include myself, Lord, and and ask you, God, that you would enable us to change. Mold me, shape me, fill me. That I can be your tool, that I can be your witness in my community. In my family, in Jesus' name, Lord, change me, amen, amen. Amen. Amen.